I'd like you to turn with me to 2 Chronicles and chapter 36, our reading, and our text is found in verse 16. I've thought much of this verse this week. It's one of those verses where you suddenly discover the gospel in the Old Testament, a wonderful, if somewhat difficult passage because it's so very solemn. Sometimes in life we have good examples set for us. We admire, we take a good example and we want to copy. Well, tonight this is the opposite. This is a bad example, but I pray it will still speak to us. Here we find in verse 16 these words. This is speaking of Zedekiah the final king of Judah and Jerusalem before the reign of kings, 20 of them, comes to an end. And Zedekiah is not alone, he and others in Jerusalem. This verse is spoken of them generically, it says. But they mocked the messengers of God and they despised his words And they misused his prophets until the wrath of the Lord arose against his people till there was no remedy. There's several other verses that use this phrase and I hope to explain it to you. Till there was no more remedy. What a tragedy. There was a remedy. It was available, but God in his infinite wisdom sees fit to withdraw it. It wasn't that God's patience was exhausted, that's impossible. God has infinite patience, no. He just determined that enough was enough and that his plan would be revealed in a different way till there was no more remedy left. While this is speaking of the children of Israel, I'm sure you know an awful lot about the Israelites, God's special people. Psalm 147, it says, He has not dealt so with any nation. This tiny strip of land with the Mediterranean to the west And the desert to the east, there has never been a country in the history of the world more written about, more blessed than this tiny strip of land, Israel. This nation was given the Ten Commandments. No other nation was given the laws of God. This nation would be the one through which the Savior, the only Savior, would come. This nation had God's power and authority revealed in unmistakable ways. There would be prophet after prophet sent from heaven with a message. There would be signs and wonders done throughout Thousands of years, just think of the time they were in the wilderness. 
Their shoes didn't wear out for 40 years. They never had to go shopping because their food was provided for them miraculously. The pillar of cloud, the pillar of fire, to guide and to lead them. This people were blessed beyond any other nation. Through them, the great holiness of God was revealed in fire, in miracles. They saw those miracles come down on Pharaoh and consume a great number of people. And God's word was given to this nation and through them was revealed that every single human being would need to be cleansed, atoned, washed. No other nation had this truth revealed to them. And through this nation as well, it was taught that there was a way to God. Oh, that way was barred. A great curtain the Holy of Holies was kept from them. No man could go in, no man could enter. But there was just one day a year when somebody could go with their backs turned into the Holy of Holies and it was told to them that one day there would be a passage through. We could come before God. There would be the ability to come into the presence of God so that we could be with him with no other. This people were supremely blessed. Do you know God never wanted them to have kings? It was God's way that they would be ruled by his word and judges and there would be a fair nation. He would be their king. But the people bellyache. They wouldn't stop. Every other nation has a king. Why can't we have them? And so God allowed. There was two kingdoms. The ten kingdoms of the north divided. They had a monarchy and the kingdoms in the south. And they had twenty kings. And in this final chapter of two chronicles, we read of four of them. I only want to think of one tonight. Verse 11, Zedekiah, what a grand and memorable name, the final king, before God said, enough, no more kings, in Jerusalem, his holy city, and in Judah. This final king, somewhat perversely, was made king, not by God, but by Nebuchadnezzar, verse 10, when the year was expired, King Nebuchadnezzar sent and brought him, his brother or possibly his uncle Jehoiakim, and took him to Babylon and appointed Zedekiah. He was made king instead of his brother or maybe his uncle over Judah and Jerusalem, there was a warning, even that. Nebuchadnezzar was saying to Zedekiah, 
Look, you are on borrowed time. You've been given an opportunity as a nation. There will be one more king, Zedekiah, and he will be set up, aged 21. Well, we've got some young people here tonight. 21 years old. He becomes a king, and he will only reign for another 11 years, 32 years. And he will have his kingdom taken from him. Well, that's really the background. There is a tombstone to Zedekiah. I don't know what you've got planned to be written on your tombstone. People nowadays, they don't even have burials. And tombstones are even more unusual. You go to the cemeteries in Bedford and you don't see many tombstones because there are barely any funerals now. People don't want the sight and the thought of death. They want to try and extinguish it from their mind. But this is the tombstone of Zedekiah, verse 12. Is this your tombstone? Is it mine? He did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord his God. What a terrible indictment. The same as his brother before him in verse 9. He did that which was evil. There's not one good thing said about Zedekiah. He even broke his oath and his promise that he made to Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar gave him his reign for those 11 years. It was conditional upon an oath being kept, and it wasn't. And so Zedekiah was removed. Well, here's a solemn reminder. Every evil that I do, every sin that I do, is in the sight of the Lord. Never ever think, children, you can do any sin in secret, in the dark where most sin is done, God's eyes can see. He did that which was evil in the sight, did you notice, in the sight of the Lord, his God. Every sin I've ever done Every thought I've ever thought, every act that I've consciously determined to do is in the sight of the Lord. Well, I don't want to dwell any more on that. Let's go to verse 15, and I'm going to do this in a different order than the verses appear tonight. Verse 15, we've read of Zedekiah, we've read of his life, but we need to come to verse 15 because we see something wonderful, something lovely in this verse which speaks of the kindness and the character of God. Let's read this together. This comes before Zedekiah is removed. We're looking at it in the opposite order. And the Lord God of their fathers, the Israelites, 
and those of Judah, sent to them by his messengers. This is going to speak of the kindness of God. Here it is. Because he had compassion. The people had rejected him. The people had done evil in his sight. One king, another king, another king. And God in his infinite mercy, it said, because he had compassion on his people. The very heart of God is to come with message after message after message. Sunday night after Sunday night, Sunday school after Sunday school, parent putting you to bed night after night after night, praying with you, reading the word of God with you, message after message. Why? Because he, the Lord God, had compassion on his people. He saw them. He knew what was going to happen, let me tell you. All of the people in Jerusalem and Judah were about to become prisoners. Bedford Jail tonight has capacity for 550 prisoners. If you knew that you would spend the rest of your life in prison, what would you do tonight? Wouldn't you listen to the God of heaven that comes with a message of mercy and says to you, it doesn't need to be this way. There's a remedy. There's a solution. I can heal you. I can forgive you. The sentence that's hanging over your life, I will take it away. That's what God says to Zedekiah. A messenger comes. Who were the messengers? Well, there was the messenger of Nebuchadnezzar. It sounds perverse, but when his brother was removed, or his uncle, Jehoiakim, Zedekiah was warned, you will be next. Break your oath, and you will be next. And then, of course, there's Jeremiah. We haven't got time to read much of it, but we'll turn to it later on. Jeremiah the weeping prophet, chapter after chapter, comes with the message of Jeremiah from God to Zedekiah. Ignored. Forgotten. Ears closed. Heads turned. Well, God's love and compassion. It says... Using a lovely expression, God rose up early. What does that mean? In verse 15, rising up betimes. It's almost as though each one of his children in Jerusalem, it's like a mother or father waking up early in the morning and the child is sick and the child is crying. Come and help me. 
And the father and the mother gets up early in the morning, day after day, year after year, and sends, sends what was needed, not Calpol, but a message from heaven. A message that there was a remedy. Do you know the word remedy means healing, cure, solution. That's the kindness of God. His compassion. We read in the Psalms, God is a God who has tender mercies, loving kindness. He withholds his anger. He could discharge it, but he holds it back because he had compassion on his people. A day of judgment was waiting. The troops of Nebuchadnezzar were circling Jerusalem and there was only two other cities left. And soon they would fall. They thought they had freedom, but it was short-lived. The messengers were saying this, soon your time will be over. There is just a short window. You can listen, listen to my words. Do you see the pleading of God? One soul, Zedekiah, and the Lord sends a messenger to him to plead. It says in verse 15, that he pleaded with his dwelling place, the place where God's honor dwells, Jerusalem. Well, let's look secondly at the response, and there's words here in verse 12 and 13, and then in 16, which chill the spine. Let's look at what it says. Verse 12, it says, Zedekiah, speaking of him only initially, refused to humble himself. Do you know that's the beginning of salvation? There is no heaven without humility. And Zedekiah says, no, no, no. I will not have God. I will not have his messengers. He refused to humble himself before Jeremiah, verse 12, the prophet. Jeremiah comes as though it was the mouth of the Lord speaking to him. And Zedekiah says no. It says in verse 13, he rebelled. He refused. He wouldn't be humbled. He rebelled against King Nebuchadnezzar. Then there's a graphic picture. It speaks in verse 13 that he stiffened his neck. Do you know that term comes from oxen? The farmer would put together four, maybe six oxen. There would be the yoke. And one oxen just refused to turn the neck. Didn't want to be told what to do. I'm not going that way, a stubborn animal that refused the direction of the master. Do you know that's what we do? Anybody here tonight, if you won't listen to the kind words of Christ to you this evening, you are stiffening your neck. 
You wake up with a stiff neck in the morning. You can't turn. It causes pain. This is what Zedekiah does. He stiffened his neck in resolve. It gets worse. Verse 13. He hardened his heart. Literally his heart, all its sensitivities, all its natural empathy with love and compassion and tenderness. A hardness comes over it. Just think of Pharaoh. Ten plagues, six of them come and go. And Pharaoh chooses on each one of them to harden his own heart. And on the sixth one, we read something very solemn. God hardened Pharaoh's heart. God said, enough. You won't be given the liberty anymore to harden your own heart. I will harden it for you. It will be like concrete, tarmac. Nothing will penetrate that heart. He hardened his heart from turning to the Lord God of Israel. It gets worse. Verse 14, moreover, the religious leaders of Jerusalem, the chief of the priests, and all the people that went to the temple, they transgressed very much. They turned the temple into a den of thieves. They turned it into a place for Baal worship. They polluted the house of the Lord, which God had hallowed. He'd made it a holy place. And they turned it into a den of thieves. Oh, isn't this just like the human heart? Here's a boy or girl growing up in a Christian family, coming to Sunday school, reading their Bible. And again and again, the messengers from heaven, the messengers, messages and the messengers from heaven, they come week after week. But the barriers go up. We stiffen our resolve. We harden the heart. We get good at it. Somebody says, how is it with your soul? And we change the subject. We talk about football. We find something else that we want to talk about. And we won't deal with the real issue, the heart. We become expert at deflecting God's message to us. But I'm sorry to say, verse 16, I find this verse one of those harder ones to read in the word of God. They mocked the messengers of God in the kindness, the mercy of God. He sends somebody to speak to us. And we push them away. We say no. They come with kind words and we despise them. This preacher, this parent, pleading with me. In the middle of that verse, I think this is very sinister. 
They misused the prophets. What did they do with them? Do you remember when Abraham went to Sodom and Gomorrah? And they did vile, despicable things with the messengers that had come from heaven. They misused them. I think that's a euphemism for something much, much worse. And here's the final sentence. Until the wrath of God arose against his people no more. His patience has not been exhausted. But now he says these words. Here's the outcome. There was no remedy left. There was a remedy. Christ was available for all. Christ was offered for all. We go into the streets of Bedford and we preach Christ. We give out tracts. People pass us by. People have come into this building for nearly 120 plus years and they've gone out. We took a funeral of a man recently. There was a remedy, but no more. These are solemn words. There's a remedy for you tonight. That remedy is Jesus Christ. He is the cure for your soul. He's the one that can bind up your broken heart. But I need to turn with you tonight to show you the end of Zedekiah. Turn with me to Jeremiah and chapter 39. In some ways, I don't read these words with any gladness. It's a picture of what happened when Jerusalem would fall. Let's read Jeremiah chapter 39 and verse 5. The Babylonian Chaldean army pursued after those that they hadn't killed, those who had fled and overtook Zedekiah in the plains of Jericho. When they had taken him, they brought him up to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, to Riblah in the land of Hamath, where he gave judgment upon him. And here, verse 6, Then the king of Babylon slew the sons of Zedekiah in Riblah before his own very eyes, And also the king of Babylon slew all the nobles of Judah. And moreover, he put out Zedekiah's eyes. He blinded him. Zedekiah would see no more. And bound him with chains to carry him to Babylon. And the Chaldeans burned the king's house, Zedekiah's house, and the houses of the people with fire and broke down the walls of Jerusalem. And Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, carried away captive into Babylon the remnant of the people that remained in that city, and those that fell away, that fell to him, 
with the rest of the people that remained. No more remedy. Would that those words would stay with you this very week. Would it be said of you, there was a remedy, Jesus Christ who died on the cross, who had compassion, love, tenderness, pleading with your soul. But just like Zedekiah, as a negative example, we said no, no more, until the Lord said, Why will you die, O house of Israel? He refused to humble his heart. The cure, the only cure, was taken away. Imagine going to a doctor this week, and the doctor knows you've got cancer. But he asked you to come a year ago, or she asked you to come one year ago, and you said, I can't be bothered. I'm not going for the follow-up. The scan was done. There it is on the screen, on the GP's screen, and you said, no, 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 until you come 12 months later. And the doctor says, we could have taken the illness out. There was an operation. It could have been done. But now you've got days to live. There is no more remedy. No more cure. It's gone. Your life is nearly over. Soon, the enemy will be at the gate and there will be no more cure for you. What dreadful words. Would not that we hear and read of the compassion of the Lord who came again and again and again. Don't refuse him. Humble your heart tonight. Get on your knees tonight before you put your head on your pillow and come, ask for peace, ask for mercy, ask for forgiveness, and he will hear you. Let's pray together. Our gracious God and Father, we've read solemn things tonight. Everything that we read came to pass just as God said it would, and there was no more remedy. Seventy years of captivity awaited that nation. Oh, gracious God, plead with us tonight. May those words haunt us that there would be a remedy for us even tonight. We ask in the name of the Lord Jesus and for his sake, Amen.